We're on a series uh, called Partnering with God. I've been enjoying it. I hope you have. I've had lots of response from uh, people that have uh, uh, reached out to me, say, man, I've never seen that before. I've never heard that before. And um, uh, solidifying some things, also bringing some new thoughts from the Word of God to us, uh, how we can partner with God. We we, we said this uh, for the last several weeks. Psalm 24 says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So when we, when we as believers understand that God owns everything, it, 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 should take, it should put us in a position for us to understand that if God owns it, that must mean I don't own it. And whatever it comes my way, I am now not an owner, but I am a manager. The Bible doesn't call us managers. It uses the word stewards, stewardship. It's stewardship is taking what somebody has given you and managing it to the best of your ability to bring profit and increase to the owner. That is exactly what God does with us concerning the resources that he gives to us. When we talk about partnership with God, it's really amazing when we think about it, just stop and think for a minute, that God actually wants us to partner with him. He could do whatever he wanted to do, ever how he wants to do it, but he wants us to be a part of whatever he's doing so that we, as humans, as his children, can reap the benefit of what he's got for us. And what what we found out for the last several weeks is that we have access to live a blessed life. Come on, somebody. We got access to live wherever we're at, and we're seeing maybe I'm, maybe you would say, I don't think I'm really living a blessed life. Well, a couple things. Number one, you're looking at it only from your point of view, which is a North American, Southern Californian point of view, which is true because that's your view. But let's put you on a plane, and let's take you to Mozambique and see how blessed you are. When folks are living in it's conditions that are appalling, believe in God just for food, the clothes they have on their back is the clothes they have. That is it. But thank God that, come on, somebody, we are blessed. Come on, come and say amen. Come on, we're blessed. So, so, so what we've been finding out, though, is that, is that through this thing called partnership, is that, is that it is partnership. God has a part. We have a part. And what we've been saying for the last couple weeks is this one thing that is, is, it seems to be so difficult for some people to get a hold of. And I, I, I don't think I'm talking to you. Maybe I am a little bit. Um, but, but, but when it comes to this one aspect of this blessed life, when it comes to resources, when it comes to money, when it comes to possessions, when it comes to stuff, what we found from the Bible already, and we're digging it again today, is that your tithe, your top 10%, your giving, your tithe, when God gives you resources, it activates God's resources in the world. So when I release, when I, as a steward, as a manager, when I take what part of what God's given me to manage and I release it and I bring it back to him, it allows the resources from another realm to somehow show up with favor, with goodwill, with things that I can't figure out that come my way just because of him. Come on, somebody. We've said this for two weeks now, I think. We'll read it one more time in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, a great scripture. It says this, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. That's what it says. The purpose of tithing is just to teach me, teach you to put God first in our lives. We said this last week that tithing isn't something that God does to raise money. Tithing is something that God does to raise people. God, God, everything God does has got a spiritual application to it. And so we want to understand that. We want to understand that God doesn't need it. 
God doesn't have to have it. God can snap his fingers, if you will, and have whatever he needs to have, the resource he needs to have to do whatever he wants to do in the earth. He's proved it time and time again. Come on, he put, put parts the sea for Moses and the guys to come across. No man could do that, but God used a man, Moses, to be in partnership with him to do something supernatural. The same thing we see over and over and over from Genesis to the very end of the Bible is that God is desiring a man, a woman, a, a teenager, to be in partnership with him to do something that cannot be done only by yourself. That should cause you and I to just every day we lift our hands in worship and we praise him and thank him that he's good. Come on, somebody. That he's watching over his word and he's performing it for you and me, the scripture says. So one thing I was thinking about as we talked about this, that tithe, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first place in your life. Is this, I was thinking about this this past week and I really think the Holy Spirit just gave me this one line. Uh, I hope it impacts you like it impacted me. Here it is. Is that tithing is physical proof of spiritual trust. Listen to me. Tithing is physical proof for you of spiritual trust. That I trust God. So, so here, here, would be the, here, here would be the question. Show me, this is how you ask me. Hey, Gary, show me how you trust God with your stuff. If you tell me that God owns it all, show me how you trust God with your stuff. And I could show you. I tithe and I give offerings. Otherwise, there is no proof that I really trust God. We've read from Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30 last week, all the tithe of the land, look at that, all the tithe of the land in Leviticus 27, 30, all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. Come on, read that, those last words. It is holy to the Lord. It says it's holy to the Lord. It's holy. We found out that the word holy means it's sacred. It's set apart. It's dedicated and it's consecrated to the Lord. It's the, the, what holy means. It's, it's sacred. It's set apart. It's dedicated. It's not mine. This, this doesn't belong to me. This belongs to God. And so when we read in the Old Testament, you'll read several things concerning giving, concerning the tithe, and you'll read some, a word that, that many times is connected with it, and it's this word called redeem, redeem it. You'll see it. If you do something with this, you need to redeem it for, for more than what you actually borrowed from it. And what we found is that really when we look at the natural phrase or the natural a business model of a spiritual entity would be if you put something on credit and and you don't pay it off at the end of the month, you've got interest to pay. God made the nation of Israel. I'm not saying this isn't, this, is, this isn't for us today, but God made the nation of Israel. If you don't tithe the way I tell you to tithe, you're not, a, we, we ain't just going to make you tithe. You got to tithe like, and have interest on what you're supposed to be tithing. They, 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 they made, God was serious about this stuff called the tithe. So what we are finding when it comes to this thing about partnering with God, it's this. When you return to God what's his, he then redeems the rest. When you return to God and tithing, listen, isn't really even giving. It's returning. I'm not giving anything. Remember, it all belongs to him. He says, Gary, here's 100%. Let's just say this. $1,000 a week. Here's 100%. Now, what are you going to do with it? 
I'm going to take 10% of that and I'm going to return it to you because it all belongs to you. This is holy. This is devoted. This is set apart. This is consecrated to you. Now, now let me show you a story from the Old Testament. And um, just heads up, some of y'all might want to do this this week. I got a homework assignment for you this week about reading. But some of y'all that are real kind of like Bible folks and want to read a little bit more, let me give you another part of this homework assignment. Read Joshua chapter 6 this week. Joshua chapter 6. Because I want to talk to you about this story in Joshua chapter 6 and, and read this to you uh, of this Old Testament story, what happened, and how we can see what God thinks about what belongs to him. Now, now in, um, in, the, in the book of Exodus, we know the book of Exodus was exodusing from the, being in bondage for all those years. Moses led the nation of Israel through the Exodus. Then he winds up dying right before they went into the land of promise, or the promised land. Joshua was his predecessor, and Joshua now was in charge of leading the people of Israel into the land of promise, and they would have to go from city to city, region to region, area to area, and conquest or take possession of what God gave them. That, that, that was God's assignment. They, they were going to kick out, the word possessed means to kick out and make poor the former tenant. So they were going to kick out them folks and this, God was saying, this is your land. So, 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 so now remember, when, when you're going into the land of promise, you and your predecessors, you and your ancestors have been in bondage for 430 years. 430 years, you've been slaves. Now, in the land of promise, or excuse me, in the land of the Exodus, when they came out with the 10 plagues and all that and the, and the Red Sea, God kept them, brothers and sisters, alive for 40 years. Come on, the Bible says everybody 20 years old and older, they died in the wilderness because they didn't believe God. Remember that story, everybody? Then all the younger folks, 20 years old and younger, they were going into, as a new generation, into the land of promise. Now, here's what's interesting. The Bible says... All their clothes didn't wear out. The shoes didn't even wear out. God brought food to them every day, twice a day. God caused water sometimes to come out of a rock. Listen, God took care of them supernaturally for 40 years. Come on, somebody say amen. But I don't know about you. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be wearing the same clothes for 40 years. Brother, need some new shoes up in here. I'm a little bit tired of eating the colander seed. Come on. I'm a little bit tired of eating the same thing every day, beans and rice, for 40 years. Right? And so when they come into the, the land of promise, the first city they come to, you need to read it. Read Joshua. It's amazing. The first city they come to is Jericho. It's a walled city. They haven't ever seen anything like this before. They come to this walled city, and God gives them a plan, though. God says, hey, Josh, here's what we're going to do. I, I want you and the nation of Israel to walk around the city once a day for six days. Don't say nothing. Don't talk. Don't talk doubt and unbelief. Just keep on walking, brother. Be quiet. But on the seventh day, I want you to walk around this city seven times, and after the seventh time, everybody shout like you never shouted before. We're going to blow the trumpets. The priests are going to blow the trumpets, and those walls are going to fall down flat. How many know that's crazy, but that's exactly what happened. So anytime you follow God's word, God's going to show up. But God also gave them some crazy instructions about it. Let's read what God told them to do when they went to Jericho. Ready? Joshua 6, verse 17. This is Jericho. The city Jericho has been claimed by the Lord, 
everything in it belongs to the Lord. Hmm. Let's keep reading. But stay away from what has been claimed by the Lord for destruction, or you too will be destroyed by the Lord. All the silver, all the gold, everything made of bronze and iron are holy. Hmm. We've seen that word before, haven't we? And belong to the Lord. They must go to the Lord's treasury. God told them that when you come to this city, everything in this city, everything about this city, all the goods, all the silver, all the gold, all the stuff that you would deem valuable belongs to God. You'll see different translations that says it's been devoted to God. A word that we used here, that we saw here, it was that it's, it's been claimed by the Lord for destruction. In other words, if you mess with it, it's going to mess with you. Don't, don't mess with the stuff I told you not to mess with. So they went in there. The Bible actually says that there's this girl named Rahab the harlot. Come on, somebody. Rahab the prostitute. She hid the spies who actually went in there and they searched out the land. So God said, hey, when Rahab shows up and Rahab gets in her house, the whole city walls are coming down, but we're going to protect Rahab. Come on, it's a phenomenal story. We're going to take care of Rahab because she took care of us. So they go to Jericho and the walls come down and everybody shouts. Everybody's having a great time. And they go back to their camp, and they, they're, they're living life. Come on, God's showing up. They come to the next city, and the next city is a very, very small city called Ai, with those letters, A and I, Ai. In fact, it's so small that Joshua and the, and the commanders say, we're not going to send out the whole army. We're just going to send about 3,000 troops or so out there. Well, well, they send these guys out to this little, small outpost of a city, a little village of a city, and they get whipped. They get whipped. They get beaten down. There's men that lost their lives and the army gets defeated. Not about you, but how demoralizing would it be if you go to Jericho, which is a walled city, a great city, the Bible says, and you see God show up and then you come to this next city and you get your pants whipped and handed to you. Man, these guys are confused. Joshua's confused. So the Bible says that Joshua cries out to God and says, God, what are you doing? Where are you at? And God said, hey, 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 hey. There's sin in the camp. So Joshua leans in and God says, somebody has taken what was devoted to me. And so the Bible says, and you'll read it, if you'll read it this week, Deuteronomy 6 and 7. The Bible says that they got all the tribes together, 12 tribes, and then they got all the families together, and then they got all the leaders together, then they got all the men together, and went down one by one asking, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? Are you the one? And they came and they found a brother named Achan. And Joshua, the team, asked him, and he confesses, and here's what he says in Joshua 7, 21. He says this, in Jericho, I saw a beautiful coat from Babylonia. And I saw about five pounds of silver and then about a pound of gold. I wanted these things for myself, so I took them. 
you will find them buried in the ground under my tent. The silver is under the coat. Guys, we've said this before. Let me say it again. Whenever you see the first in the Old Testament, it speaks of the tithe. The nation of Israel was in bondage, like I said, for 430 years. They were in the wilderness for 40 years, walking around. And they come to the first city called Jericho. The first city, a type of tithe. And God says, this is holy to me. This city belongs to me. All the stuff in the city, the silver, the gold, the iron, the bronze, take it and bring it to the treasury of the Lord. The scripture says that this brother saw stuff that he had never seen and he wanted it and took it back to his house, to his tent, buried it in the ground. Can, can I just say this? Just simply, Achan took to his house what belonged in God's house. And here's where the problem lies for many, many believers is that we are taking to our house what doesn't belong in our house, and that's why our house is not functioning the way it should economically. Don't take what's holy to your house. It becomes unholy. Deuteronomy chapter 26. I wanna encourage you, um, this is your homework assignment this week. Uh, I've given you some homework already, but this is, your, this is one of your main homework assignments. It's only about 15 or 16 verses. Read De Deuteronomy 26 about three times, uh, because what we're going to find out in Deuteronomy chapter 26 is that there are several words that are, are, are spoken to, to Moses to tell the people of Israel what, 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 what happens and what, what, what's necessary with, with this thing called the tithe. And so I've summarized them. We're not going to read all this. We're just going to summarize these six points that are, you're going to read this week in Deuteronomy chapter 26. Here's what it says, number one. It says, lay aside all the tithe of your increase. Lay it aside. It's different. Listen, this thing called the top 10%, the tithe, is different than my SDG&E bill. It's different than rent or the house payment, the car payment, or the whatever, Cox. It's just different. So, so, so he says, when you, when you receive the increase of whatever you're doing, whatever you're selling, whatever kind of increase you have in your life, you need to lay it aside. When, when you get paid, we found out Melchizedek, when he showed up as soon as Abraham had some stuff, he showed up. And there's always a point of contact, there's always a point of challenge that whenever we receive any kind of income from our job, from any kind of increase, that God's asking us, hey, Gary, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? point of decision. Well, I really want to, I really want to go eat tacos. Well, okay, you can eat some tacos, but make sure you give me mine. Can I say this? When it comes to the tithe, we all can do whatever we want to do. We can, we, we can, we have the choice, but I'm encouraging you as a guy who's seen this work for over 40 years, really my whole life, 60, I'll be 63 in March, I've seen this work for people who have a whole lot of money and people who, you say, have not a whole lot of money where God just keeps on showing up and meeting all their needs, supplying all their needs. Come on, everybody. He's just faithful. So he says, lay aside all the tithe from your increase. And the second thing he says is remove it. He says, remove the holy tithe from your house. We found that out. You're going to read this in Deuteronomy 26. Just remove it from your house. Come on. So, 
Years ago, my son, I've told this story so many times, so forgive me if you've heard it before. But we were having a meeting at church one day. This is years ago. Good golly, 15, 8, I don't know what years ago, 12 years ago at least. And, and we were having a meeting at church, and, and we, were, we were like raising money or doing something for somebody. I couldn't remember what it was, or a special offering of some guy for a minister or something. And my son was here, and he was working for us in the church as a youth pastor, not getting any paid, just as a volunteer. And, and uh, he was working at, I think, Chick-fil-A or Best Buy at the time or something like that. And uh, uh, the, the minister, we were up here, and we are just saying, you need to give out of your heart. And he's sitting there, and he says, God told him. This is a kid. This is like 18, 19-year-old kid, 20-year-old kid. And God told him to give $1,000. A kid, give $1,000. <laughs> and so he heard that in his spirit. And so... That night, he came home to me, and his kind of face was real white, white. We're white people. He's white, white. Come on, how many know when God starts talking to you, you go white, white? Come on, somebody. All, all the blood leaves your face. <laughs> so we were white, white. He was white, white. And he came, he said, he said, Dad, I think God's talking to me about giving, sacrificially. I said, well, what'd he tell you? And he said, you know, breathing heavy, God, God told me to give $1,000. And I, I, he said, what should I do? I said, give it quick. Remove it from your house. Because I don't know about you, but I've thought my way out of giving. I thought my way. That when I sent something, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm not even talking about the tithe, I'm talking about giving beyond that. It was like, that must be the devil. Come on, how many know the devil? How many know the devil ain't going to tell you to give money to people? Come on, somebody. It's just not going to be the devil. So he says, remove the holy tithe from your house. Then he says this. You're going to read it. He says, take the first fruits and go to the priests. This is Old Testament. Take the first fruits and go to the priests. In other words, take the tithe and go to the priests. We would say, come to church. Come to church. And then he says this. These last three things are really interesting. He says, say to the priests, say to the priests what God has done. Say to the priests what God has done. In other words, remember God's faithfulness. When you come with your gift, it's not just about giving. You're remembering what God's done for you. And then he says, rejoice, rejoice in every good thing God's given you. Rejoice, worship God, magnify God, praise God for his goodness in your life. And then he uses another word. It says, worship before the Lord your God. Have a holy awe and respect and reverence to God that he is the rightful owner of all things. Listen, this is the action of a person who's a tither and a giver. We remember the Lord. We worship the Lord. We praise the Lord. We remove what's in our house that belongs to God. We're laying aside the tithe. We're laying aside the, the, the increase that God's bringing us. And we're taking that first fruit and we're bringing it to church. We're bringing it to the house of God so the plan of God can be actuated continually on the earth. Can somebody help a preacher say amen? amen. Let me give you three words that I think are important today. They kind of all start with the letter A. That tithing, number one, is an action that you do. Tithing, number one, is an action that you do. You have to do it. It's not, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say you have to do it, meaning you get a chance to do it, but, but for you to be a tither, you actually have to do it. For me to enjoy the benefits, to say I'm going to partner with God, here's the proof of my trust with God, is that, is that I, I'm, I'm going to bring my tithe to you. I, I've, got to, I've got to act on it. Uh, we were singing a song earlier, and I was just think, thinking about, uh, from Matthew chapter 7, that, that we, we have two brothers in, that, that, that built houses. One built his house on the sand, and one built his house on the rock. 
And the Bible says the, the winds and the rains and the storm came and blew at both those houses. And the one that was built on the rock stood and the one that was built on the sand didn't stand. And Jesus tells us that the, both of them heard the word. The one on the rock heard the word, the one on the sand heard the word, but the one whose house stood against the storms, the tests, the challenges, the difficulties was the one who heard the word and did the word, acted on the word, acted. So I can hear about tithing. God can know my heart. God can know my situation. And I can coach myself out of, it's just not a good time, Lord. And God's saying, what are you going to do with my stuff? Talking to me, Aiken, Aiken, you keep seeing stuff. You keep getting your eyes on stuff I don't want your eyes fastening on. The first belongs to me. Tithing is an action. Secondly, tithing is an attitude. It's an attitude. What we know from Scripture is that tithing involves your heart. It involves your heart way before it involves your hand. It's a heart thing. I'm going to get my heart right. I want you to plow up my heart, Lord God. If I really believe you own it all, here's the proof. It's, it's an attitude in my heart. And lastly, it's an attention. It's an attention. God demands the first. We see that over and over. It's an attention. It, it's, it, listen, for some of us, listen, what, what, what you might need to do is you might need to pump the brakes on your $7 a day cappuccino frappe light lappuccino with a little shot of this and espresso with that and a half thing and a breve that. Maybe you need to pump the brakes on that. Maybe you need to pump the brakes on, on, on your eating out. Maybe you need to pump until you get your budget in constraint that you can give God the first. Tithing is an action. Tithing is an attitude. Tithing is an attention. I'm going to put God, put God first. Come on, I'm, I'm, a, I'm about ready to wind down right now. Okay, I'm winding down because I know when we talk about money and we talk about stuff like this, we get a little bit nervous. So when I say I'm winding down, that's about 30 more minutes. <laughs> not, not quite, not quite, not quite, not quite, not quite. I want to read a scripture that maybe you haven't equated with this, uh, 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 what we're talking about today. It's in the book of Genesis chapter 4 about, about two brothers, the first brothers in the Bible that Eve had. Let's read this in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. Now Adam and his new his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Verse 2 says, she bore again, this time a, a brother Abel. It doesn't say they were twins, by the way. Bore again. It doesn't say they're twins. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. Look at verse 3. And in the process of time, that's important, in the process of time, very important word, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Verse 4, Abel also brought of the firstborn. What happens when we see this? Type of tithe. Firstborn of his flock and of their fat. Very important. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, verse 5, but he did not. The Lord did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Verse 6, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, brother? And why is your countenance fallen? Verse 7, if you do well, will you not be accepted? 
And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now, we read a moment ago there in the scripture that, and it says in the process of time that Cain brought this offering and Abel brought of the first. Now, it would be unjust for God, when you step back and you read this, it would be unjust for God to respect Abel's offering and not respect Cain's offering unless they both knew what was pleasing to the Lord. We read it. Abel's offering, number one, was the first. But did you also notice it says he brought the firstborn of the flock and the fat thereof. Remember that? Whenever you would see and the fat thereof doesn't mean Abel had a little pooch. It means that the thing that he gave to the Lord was sacrificed and it was a blood sacrifice. This speaks of covenant. Now what's interesting that we just read is that God personally responded to each man's giving. He responded to Abel's giving. He respected it. He responded to Cain's giving. He did not respect it. The phrase was, Abel and his offering and Cain and his offering, listen to me, don't miss this, a person and their giving are connected. God sees it that way. Why? Because he owns it all, and he's given me this. And now he says, what are you going to do? You think it's yours, Gary. Gary, you think it's, you actually think it's yours. I could take it all from you. There's a story I've told many times. I'll tell it one more time, so forgive me again if you've heard it. It happened to me when I went to McDonald's and took one of my sons years and years ago. The story goes that the man brought his son to McDonald's, which I did, and sat across and from his son, brought him a Happy Meal. You know the deal, the cheeseburger, the fries, the toy, the little drink. You know the deal. And the dad, like me, was not eating McDonald's that day. But like a good dad, when the son opened up the cheeseburger and the son got the french fries, like a good dad, the dad had to have a fry. Can I get an amen? <laughs> so as the dad went to grab one of the fries, the son grabbed the fries to him. And in that moment, the dad had an epiphany and had the Spirit of God speak to him and told him a couple things. Number one... The dad was thinking to himself by the Spirit of God talking to him, my son does not know or remember who bought him this meal. My son had no money. I bought him the meal. Number two, the son does not know I can take the meal from him. Guys, when it comes to what we're dealing with, as quiet as the room gets and as tense as the room gets, 
It's because we each and every single day and every single month or every two weeks whenever we get paid, we have a choice to realize that my, as a person, my giving is connected to who I am and who I am trusting. The book of Hebrews talks about this scripture too. It's amazing. Art, you want to come help me? It, it tells about this scripture too. It says this. We're not going to read it verbatim, but it tells us this in, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. It says, Cain's works were evil and his brother's works were righteous. Think with me. What was Cain's work? Here was Cain's work. When God said, I'm respecting Abel's offering, I'm not respecting yours, what happened to Cain? Countenance fell. He got angry, didn't he? He got angry. He got angry. He got bitter. He got negative. He, 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 was, uh, he, he was lashing out. What was his works? Cain wanted to come to God and bring an offering to God that God never asked him to do. And Cain wanted to receive the same blessing that Abel had when he didn't do what Abel did. Cain wanted to come to God in his own terms. God, you know my deal. God, you know, you've seen gas prices. You've seen, you've seen electricity. Come on, God, do, do you understand inflation down here? And so I, 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 I can't, I can't. And God says, but you don't know. I own it all. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? Paul uses these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that we'll look at next week as we conclude the series. You can give grudgingly. You can give reluctantly. You can give sorrowfully. You can give stingily. You can give with the attitude, I have to. Or you can make up your mind to give cheerfully, joyously, prompt to do it. A person whose heart is in their giving. The Bible says, we read it, that God didn't accept Cain and his offering. And you do realize, everybody in the room, I know you do, whether you've been in church or not, the first murder in mankind was over giving to God what he said to give. Cain couldn't handle it. He was full of anger. And he lashed out against his brother because he was mad at God. Let me encourage you. If you're a young person, start setting aside the top 10% to God. Again, the order is important. We talked about that. It's not the bottom 10%, it's the top 10%. So whenever I get my income, I'm making sure in my heart, I'm giving you the top. This is the top. I don't know, listen, can I be real with you? Years ago, not, 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 not recently, not 20, years ago, we started pastoring a little small church in Canada. Me, the local pastor, 28 years old, show up there. Right? Not making any kind of money, I told you. Got no money. Got no money. Go to the grocery store. 
And I'm, I'm the guy that maybe you've seen at the grocery store that's asking the clerk to check the prices to see where we're at already because I don't know if I got enough money. I, I, I'm the pastor preaching Jesus is Lord and we ain't eating good up in here. We're, we're like, I'm just telling you, God's turned that around. That there, listen to me, there will be tests and challenges in your life, even if you're a tither. Because God's going to always look at what's going on up here in this heart. So let me challenge you. As we just conclude today, that tithing is honoring God. It's honoring God. And tithing is transferring the money or resources God entrusted to you back to the original owner. We are not the owner. He is. So tithing is honoring God and transferring back to him what rightfully belongs to him. Can somebody say amen and amen? Come on, did you learn anything new today? Come on. Father, we love you today. We pray we bow our hearts, we bow our heads, we bow our eyes to you. And Father, we, we know this is constantly a challenging subject to talk about. I pray it'll be marinated with grace, Father God, for every single person in the room. Lord God, our intention is not to try to get something, whittle something, steal something, have. Father, our heart is so that we all would be free from the hold of money that this earth demands our attention towards. It revolves constantly around stuff. Free us from the love of stuff. Father, we pray in all of our hearts that you'd have first place that you'd be supreme in everything, including these resources. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you for making a way. Thank you for increasing us more and more, O oh Lord God. Thank you that we can be found faithful over what you've entrusted to us. We give you honor for it. Come on, bow your head just 30 more seconds. If you're in the room and you're online and you don't know Jesus, as Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you've been here many times and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus or maybe your heart's just being touched today to say, I need to make a change. I need to serve God. I need to know him in a way that I haven't known him up until now. All over the room. We're going to say a prayer out loud uh, that you won't be the only person saying it, but we're going to join with you. What you're going to be saying is, I, I, I'm, I'm ready to make a change. I'm ready to say yes to Jesus and no to sin and no to myself. And so all over the room, if that's you or you're online as well, I'm going to count to three. Just raise your hand and say, include me in that prayer. And we're going to pray it out loud. Come on. One, two, three. Lift your hand. Say, that's me. Include me in that prayer. I want to know Jesus. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for your boldness. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Three hands. I thank you. I see three hands. Okay, you can put your hands down, everybody. We're going to say this prayer. You that raised your hands, you that, again, some, God's talking to your heart. He's talking to you right now. So mix faith with the prayer that we are about to pray. Amen, everybody. We're going to pray it out loud. Say it with me, dear Heavenly Father. I come to you right now in Jesus' name. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. So I believe in my heart and I say with my mouth, that God raised Jesus from the dead. Be my Lord. Be my Savior.
forever and ever. I repent. I change my mind. I change my direction. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say amen. We're going to stand and clap for you right now. That's what we do. Come on, for these three people that made a decision today. Come on, everybody. We just say amen. Yes and amen. We say